on the, last week we talked about children's ministry. We talked about how they develop their faith and they, and they begin to develop this, their faith with their parents as they begin to trust where they're going to eat, what they're going to eat, if they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep, if there's a place to live, if, there's, if there is clothes on my back. That's how they learn to trust. And then they begin to trust the larger family and then larger circles of concern and influence and, and the church becomes part of that circle of influence. And as they grow through life, as they continue to grow and progress through these stages of faith, they always have these touchstones, these foundations of faith to reach back and touch and know that there was and there is and will be a foundation people and things that are trustworthy that they can rest upon because life will throw questions life will throw doubt and fear and anxiety and children and youth and adults will always reach back to find what is trustworthy what can they lean on what can they lean into that will get them through the question, the fear, the anxiety, the questions? That's true for every age. You know, as we think about uh, why youth is important, we think about growing in our understanding. As, as, as people grow from childhood into, into the teenage years, well, we, we know what that means. They begin to question, push more boundaries, push harder against boundaries, expand those circles of influence and concern. And the question comes for the church, are they listening? Are we relating? Are we important? Are we relevant? Because there is enough research in the world that says... Young adults leave the church. So are we relevant? Are we meeting needs? Are we meeting basic, faithful needs? As, as I think about these different questions, I, I, I was, was talking to Leanne about the youth ministry, and the past couple of weeks they've been having their Sunday nights, um, and they've been talking about the sacraments, you know, kind of trailing along, following along with the, with the confirmation class, and, and they have... Um, talked about what it means to be baptized and, and, and what it means to break bread and, and, and share in the Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. And here's, here's what's interesting in this. When they did the Lord's Supper, which was last Sunday, which was World Communion Sunday, if you remember we had this large platter of cubed bread, different pieces of bread and different colors and different kinds of bread to represent the diversity of the world and that the whole world comes to God's table. Well, the youth group celebrated communion as well. As they gathered together, they began to introduce the communion service. And they realized they didn't bring hymnals and there was no handouts. There was just Kristen with her book of worship. And here's what's great. Here's what you should put smile about. Is as they made their way through the liturgy, they knew the responses. There was no need for a hymnal, no need for a handout, 
nearly without fail, they could make their way through the Holy Communion liturgy. That's amazing. That is awesome. And it tells us, it tells me, and it should tell us all, that something's happening here. And that's as children and as teenagers, they're listening and they're watching. They're paying attention. And they're learning. Well, following the communion service, then they opened up for questions. So what questions do you have about Holy Communion? You know, they had 20 questions about baptism and 10 questions about Holy Communion. 30 questions were brought up. Now check some of these questions out. Now, I was going to do a trick on you. I was going to ask you the questions and not tell you what they were about. So I want you to pay attention. I'm going to tell you what they're about, but I want you to pay attention how that may have unfolded for you. This is regarding baptism. Why do we do it? Why do people do it again? Does it cost anything? Why don't we use a pool? Now, why do we baptize infants? What is the water for? Is the water blessed? Do you have to be baptized to be saved? Do you have to be baptized to be a Christian? Do you have to be baptized to be a member? Do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? These are, these are questions the church has been dealing with for 2,000 years. And our teenagers are engaging in the conversation because of what they're learning among us. And when they get to communion, they had ten questions, and I'll give you six of them. Why do we do communion? Is there an age requirement? Is everyone welcome, or is it for members only? How often do we have communion? Why is communion served before the sermon in some services and after the sermon in other services? Great question. Is there a connection between communion and the pyramids? Think about that. What we say and what we do is important. It's important because as generations grow older, when they leave childhood and enter into the teen years and they leave the teen years and enter into a young adulthood, things begin to happen. The world begins to change. And the doors fling wide open at every turn and every corner. To the tune of about 30% of young adults aged 18 to 22 remain in the church. 30%. Let that sink in for a moment. So it begs the question, why would anyone want to leave the church? There's been... I don't know how much research done on this very topic. Books have been written, papers published, professors tenured, libraries formed with these questions in mind. The mo one of the most recent surveys and research was done in 2018 that I, that I ran across and I wanted to share it with you. The number one reason 
that young adults drop out of church, can you guess what it may be? Think about this age, 18 to 22. Why would they drop out of church? I moved to college and stopped attending. The second one, now hear this one. Church members seemed judgmental or hypocritical. It's the second reason young adults leave the church. The third, I didn't feel connected to people in my church. Followed by, I disagreed with the church's stance on political and social issues. My work responsibilities prevented me from attending. I never connected with students in the student ministry. I simply wanted a break from church. I was only going to church to please others. And I moved too far away from the church to continue attending. An array of reasons. And there's a couple of these that we can address intentionally and presently in the way we live. If we think about the second and third reasons young adults leave the church, church members seem judgmental or hypocritical. If we just treat each other, speak with each other with honesty and sincerity, we can address this. The third one, I didn't feel connected to people in my church. That is an amazing, an amazing fact. And think about it. Think about what happens. Think about what we've been hearing today about being involved with the confirmation class, being involved with the youth group. How do we get involved with these things? Why do we get involved with these things? What happens when we get involved in these ministries? Relationships are made. That is the most important piece of the puzzle in my mind. You know, I didn't, I wasn't always a minister. There was a time that I did other things. And I thought I enjoyed doing other things. And one of the things that I got called up in was helping with the youth group. Leanne invited me when we lived in Tallahassee. Um, we were both working for the state of Florida. She was a, a counselor with our youth group at St. Paul's United Methodist Church. And she said, why don't you come with me and, and just, you know, see if you like it. Okay, I'm 25 years old. I'll go hang out with 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds. I had a blast. I had a blast with the counselors. I made lasting relationships, friendships with counselors, people I did not know before. And some of those youth, I still hear about where they are and what they're doing. When we moved to uh, Dothan, I continued to help with the youth group and continued to immerse myself in the church. That's where I received my call to go into the ministry. It's also where I learned just how important these one-on-one -on -one relationships are. I saw it grow. I saw it develop, not just with the other counselors, with the other adult helpers, but with youth. It's those youth that I developed 
strong relationships with by just sitting around talking or playing games and giving each other a hard time. It's an awesome experience. And it's one that continues to this day with many of those youth who are now 30, 35 years old, have children of their own. It's awesome. You know, there was a, a couple there that in Dothan that were, they had a couple of daughters and they knew that they were getting ready to get into the youth group, but they weren't quite there yet, and they wanted to get involved and help out, do something. So they started volunteering with the youth group. And then after twisting arms for a couple of months, they got licensed to drive the bus so they could go on trips. They could help out even more. And as... Our friend Bill got more and more involved with the youth group. He began to take a couple of the boys hunting and fishing, spending more and more time with them. And he and his wife started hosting Taco Tuesdays at their home for about, what, six or eight, ten or twelve boys, teenage boys. Imagine feeding twelve teenage football players tacos. Imagine the pounds of ground beef they had. Every Tuesday, Taco Tuesday, at their house, those boys would show up, invited or not, because they had a relationship. And that kind of relationship, I think, is what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 15. When he begins to talk about this word abiding, it's not a word we use very often. Leanne and I don't sit around the house talking about, you know, if you abide with me and I'll abide with you. and you, That doesn't happen. <laughs> that may happen in your house. If it does, bless you. We use terms like hang out or do something or be together. But abiding is a rich and thick word. It carries so much weight. Abiding is this relationship that exists between people as they allow room for the divine to weave through their life. Think about that. A relationship that invites and makes room and welcomes the divine into our relationship together. And as we love one another, as Jesus Christ loved his disciples, as he loved his friends, that's the kind of love and relationship that invites the divine, that allows us to relate to, the, to each other. You know, in just John chapter 13, which begins this section of the, of the gospel, Jesus is at, is at a Passover meal. It's the Passover season, and he's at a meal with his friends, these disciples, this class of, of guys. And he stands up from the table, and he wraps this towel around his waist, and he kneels down, and he invites his friends, his disciples, to come and have their feet washed. This was, this was disturbing. This was absurd. This was the lowest level of servanthood that existed in the household. And the rabbi, the Messiah, the Lord, 
Our teacher is going to wash our feet? Peter bristles and says, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, Peter, you will not have a share with me. You will not have life with me. And what does Peter say? Well, wash all of me. I want as much as I can get. <laughs> After the supper, he leads his friends outside into the dark night and walks the streets of Jerusalem on his way to the garden where he'll pray. He'll ask for strength. He'll ask for God's will. And that's where he'll be arrested. He'll enter his passion and be crucified for us, for his friends. As he's walking along, knowing this is coming, he, he begins to talk to his disciples, his friends, and he says, you've got to you've got to love like I've loved my Father. You've got to love like I've loved you. Because when you do that, you'll abide. You'll abide with me. Just as the Father abides with me. Because I love my Father, your Father in heaven. Because I obey my Father, and I obey His commandments to love. So love as I have loved you, and you will abide with me. And the God, our Father in heaven, will abide with you. If you love me, you'll love each other. And as you love each other, you're going to make room for the divine to weave through and in and out of our relationships. And that's important. That's what binds us together. That's what pulls us together. It's what allows a child to begin to reach back and find a firm foundation of faith and trust in our parents and the church and God and Christ and us as that child grows up in his routine years faces all kinds of challenges questions, doubts, fears we're abiding with her our relationship will grow and make more room for the divine to weave in and through a beautiful relationship that will draw her nearer. And as she grows into adulthood and leaves home, she'll know. She'll know that no matter what the questions are, no matter the fears, the anxieties, that she has a firm foundation of faith that will take her through every day, every year, every challenge, even when there's not answers. There is faith. There is abiding with us. That's working our way through the stages of faith. As children, teenagers, adults, and if we take seriously our role with one another, 
these concerns of hypocrisy and judgment will fade away. The concerns of not having a connection to people in my church will become non-existent. Because our teenagers, our youth, will abide with us. God, the Father, Christ the Son, will abide with all of us. So that's our challenge. That's our invitation. That's our call by God. That's our vocation. To be in a relationship with one another in such a way that we can be honest and sincere. In such a way that we can be vulnerable and safe. And in such a way that no matter what or when or where we have a, fa a faith and a foundation that we can lean into and know that there is this congregation, this body of faith that leans with us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.